welcome back to the Value Adds Value podcast with Kyle Krieger and Wilkie Law, where we're sharing inspiring stories of educators just like yourself, helping you to develop your craft and sharpen your tools to become the teacher your students deserve. This is the Value Adds Value podcast. Let's jump into this next episode. fam it is kyle welcome back to the value and tell you podcast uh today is the last day of november um we wanted to share a podcast with you this week as wilkie and i start to work on wrapping our year up and getting reflective really spending this next month being reflective on our year um both professionally personally and just getting refocused and recentered on what our purpose is and what our mission is. And, and with this podcast, it's to make a difference. It's to build community. It's to help you become the teacher your kids deserve. Um, and it's a journey, this journey we've been on now for four years doing the podcast for man, Wilkie and I have been working together going on eight years. Um, and just trying to give as many kids as we can the teachers they deserve. Um, and we know there are things we got to do better. We got to be better about building our community on social media. We got to be better about sharing our own stories. We got to be better about promoting and, and doing all the things that we need to do. But all in all, we know that the number one thing we can do is just continue to work and to be a part of the teaching profession in this community. So we thank you for listening to the Value as Value podcast. Um, we hope you had a great break. We hope you can kind of just keep moving forward for these next few weeks until the next holiday break. And, you know, hopefully things are looking up for 2021. So thanks for checking out this episode of Value Adds Value. If you're looking for Will, uh, at its.will.law.iii on Instagram. I am at its Kyle Krieger. You can find us as at, 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 sorry, not at, at, at value adds value on instagram as well find us on on twitter and thanks again for just checking us out if there are people you want us to interview if there are things you'd like to ask us please hit us up let us know but we hope you enjoyed this episode of value adds value everybody wants to make it political yeah yeah i've been thinking about that you know and it's hard. It makes it difficult when people simplify their lives down to just, I'm a Republican, you're a Democrat, or you're a Democrat, I'm a Republican, or I'm a Democrat, you're a Republican, or, you know? I mean, just... You know, it's interesting because um, I had on my bracelet, it says Black Lives Matter. And I had on our shirt that said, um, we are the 1%. And two different reactions in the store. First reaction said, uh, so do you want to defund the police also? And Some I random said, person asked you that? Mm -hmm. He says, I've been seeing those shirts. He's, his exact words were, I've been seeing those shirts everywhere. So you want to defend the, do you want to defund the police too? I say this shirt. I say no. 
um, I say this shirt here is from my nonprofit. I said, if you've been seeing it all over the place, I need to know where because there's <laughs> only like four of them. <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, you know, we are the 1%. It's talking about the fact that I'm an educator and educators make up 1% of the population here in the United States. And he's like, oh, I thought it was related to the Black Lives Matter movement. And I asked him the same question I always ask anybody. Why does it have to be either or? And that's the mindset of a lot of people right now is that you're either or. You know, we've, we've divided the country so much that you're either or. Then I had another guy who instead of making an assumption, he came up and asked, he said, hey, what does your shirt mean? I said, I'm an educator. And, you know, I say my business partner and I made these shirts because we are the 1%. And what teachers are, are the 1% of the population of the United States. He was like, oh, that's very clever. He goes, so what do you teach? I told him where I teach, told him what I taught. He's like, man, God bless you, you know, um, you know, on your endeavors and what you're doing, yada, 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 and walked away. But it's just amazing how we want everything to be so divisive. We want everything, you know, and it's like, no, why can't we just be true to who we are? You know, I can say that Black Lives Matter and I can say, I don't think it's smart to defund police. You know, nobody's screaming defund education and defund uh, education has been failing a lot. I mean, probably pr around the same rate as the, pol the, the, the police department's been failing. You know, and why would you make a bad situation worse by taking funds away, which is going to take people away, which is going to make this problem worse? You know, um, yeah, it just kind of got frustrated. You know, it's it's... It's frustrating to be in that climate, and I'm just hoping that, you know, with this new administration, um, that things change. You know, that, that people stop, stop looking so much for, you know, either for me or against me, you know, type of mindset, and just start realizing that, hey, we gotta work together, you know. America was never built by one individual person or one individual party. It was a collective of individuals who at that moment had an idea. And you're so you're 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 a history teacher, so you know, you fully understand that that ideal that it was formed on, even though at the moment it was formed, was not all inclusive, they had the mindset to know that one day it would be. And I think that's where we get the words twisted so much because we want to, they knew that people were going to continue to migrate into the United States. They knew that people were gonna to continue to come over. And they wanted to set things in place, you know, that would make that work. Um, well, and I, I think a lot about what you said about how a lot of people aren't willing to admit the faults of their side or the faults of certain things or 
you know, even just the mistakes that we've made as a country, they, people, there are people that say, well, if we admit our true wrong with slavery, that means we're not as great a country as we were, or I'm not, not saying it the way I, I want to, but it, it's kind of that feeling of almost that cancel culture moment where as soon as we admit that something has been done wrong, it automatically means that everything right has to be negated. Mm -hmm. And I would never negate what police departments do, but I can admit that there's a lot that needs to improve. There's a lot that needs to change. And there are very few people who are outright supporters of the police who are not saying, yeah, our police need to get better. They need to be held better accountable. They need to be doing things. You know, that's why over the last, you know, 15 to 20 years, they've been talking about, you should always have a body cam on. Mm -hmm. And if your body cam's not on, then let's talk about why your body cam's not on. And it's just those types of moments where it's just so hard to have a conversation because as soon as you say something negative about, let's just say the Republican party and not even saying something negative, bringing up a point, like bringing up a point that Republicans have not for the most part been on the proper side of the pandemic. I remember a Republican Congressman from Florida wearing a gas mask into the the house chamber yeah i remember that as a gag you know it, it's just you can't have this whole it's one way or the other doesn't allow for constructive criticism everything everyone takes things so personal mm -hmm. so it becomes about my identity well if you're saying something negative about my Republican congressman, well, then you're saying something negative about me as a Republican. Well, no, I'm not, I don't, I don't, most of you, I don't know. You know, and it's like, I was so shocked that, so, I mean, I'm, I am a big supporter of the Black Rifle Coffee Company. I, I make no bones about that. I think their one, their product is super, super good. It, they make great coffee. Mm -hmm. And two, they are a company that supports a lot of veterans organizations and employs a lot of veterans. I can get behind that. Do I support all of their political views? No, not necessarily, but I'm not a tier one, you know, special operator. So I wouldn't expect that my political views and my experiences would be the same as theirs. But so I don't know if you saw that the kid who shot those people in Kenosha finally made bail mm -hmm. and he, they he took someone took a picture of him after he had gotten home and he was wearing a black rifle t-shirt it got picked up not by the black rifle people but some internet person posted it talking about how that kid drinks the best coffee in the world and like this firestorm broke out because black rifle coffee came out and was like no no, 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 no. We had nothing to do with him getting out of jail. We, we are not involved in this. We do not, we, we're not supporting. We're not, we're not trying to make $1 off of this tragedy. 
and all kinds of people from the right just like came at them out of the woodwork. Like, how dare you put, you know, put down, you know, this could have been, yeah. This, this kid is a courageous patriot and you're not supporting him. And they dig up the fact that one of the guys had donated to Tulsi Gabbard, who is the democratic congresswoman from Hawaii, who also happens to be a combat veteran. So these guys donate to another veteran to get more veterans into Congress and people think they're anti-Second Amendment. And they came out and made a really like straightforward statement like, hey, this happened. It was not picked up. We had nothing to do with it. We have talked to the social media outlet that picked it up and posted it. We asked them to take it down. And they're like, we have not severed our relationship with that company. We just asked them to take that picture down because that's not something we're a part of. That's not something we're supporting. And they're like, we're not trying to make money by sending a kid a t-shirt that we know is going to be, you know, I mean, cause the picture was probably seen everywhere. Mm-hmm. So they were just saying like, Hey, no, yes, this kid's wearing our t-shirt, but we're in no way affiliated with him or him getting out of jail. And that's just kind of the stuff that I look at. And I'm just like, wow. Like, and it makes me think about education and what we're doing and what we've done for so long that this is what educated people in our country do. Not what educated people in our country do. It's not. It's, it's, it is we have a population now of people who are miseducated and they would let, rather continue on with their miseducation than to, to admit that they're wrong. You know, uh, just to give you an example, um, in my classroom uh, a couple weeks ago, I had a student, I had an assignment that I put into the system incorrectly. Um, when I put it, we use Schoology and I put it in as a link instead of as an individual assignment for each student. And when I realized it, I knew that two of my classes had not gotten there yet. The other two classes, I corrected it and I removed it from the other two classes and reset it for the next day. Well, I had a student who had already gone in and did all the work. And so when I pulled, when the kids opened up the form, because he had already did the work and changed the form uh, with his name on it and everything, all the work in it, it's populated that same work and all the answers for all the students that opened the form up because he had already doctored the original version of the form. My mistake. Yep. But, But I got upset. And I was like, we hadn't gotten there yet. You know, you should not have done that. You know, da, 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 da. And so I got home and I really started thinking. I said, I just crushed a kid for showing initiative. I, I just crushed a kid for, and so I go to my email. He messaged me this long apology, apologizing. And I told him, you don't have a reason to apologize. I need to apologize to you. And so the very next day when I walked in class, before we did anything, 
I, I, I went to him publicly because I did it publicly. Mm-hmm. I went to him in front of everybody. I said, look, I made a mistake. And I called his name out and I said, I'm asking you to forgive me. I said, and as adults, we too often do this. And, and you could see, and since that moment, there's been a shift in every kid in that classroom's mindset about me. All because I was willing to admit that I made a mistake. And I publicly addressed it. It wasn't, I wasn't going to keep it private behind closed doors because that would have been too clean and neat for me. You know, that would have saved face for me. But I needed the kids to see that I wasn't the one who needed to save face. He needed to. They needed to understand that, that, that he had value and that I valued his, his initiative so much that I publicly apologized. And, and, and I did it. And he asked me, say, so does this mean that I can go back to doing the work ahead if it's, if it's posted? I said, 100%. 100%. And, and so again, it, it's at one point in our history, educators were the thinkers of our society and they were the people who we went to for, for guidance and for, um, for leadership. Um, great leaders seek out great teachers to help them understand what's going on. Again, we are, we just said, we are the 1%. So 1% of the population really literally has their hand on the rest of the 99. Like, hold on, wait a minute. I know I doubt you better than that. You know, I can only imagine some, some kid, some teacher somewhere is looking at some of these, um, the, the, these, these politicians, like, I know you were raised better than this. Well, and it, uh, you know, a couple of points, it just reminds me like what we've always talked about with Joseph Campbell's hero's journey, like somewhere along the journey, the protagonist finds a mentor, finds someone to guide them on the path that they've already been on. But think about just in the last, you know, I mean, really I'll talk the last 20 years, but I mean, think about how many people didn't take responsibility for the tech bubble bursting how many people didn't take responsibility for what happened as we went to iraq and afghanistan the fact that we're still there how many people didn't take responsibility when the housing crisis happened how how we can see these big tech giants not taking responsibility for what their platforms have turned into and right at the top of the list an american president who refuses has said out loud, I take no responsibility. But yet he decided to pop out yesterday for one minute to brag about how the Dow had gotten above 30,000. And it's just talking about, you know, education and responsibility. Like, and having a conversation with the people I teach with about con- you know, contacting students and what my school is doing at times it feels like it's just a checked box. And yes, do I know that 100% I should contact students more often 
I should get involved with them. I should try to talk with them outside of just the academic space. Yeah, I know I should, but a lot of times it feels like it's something that is just a checked box and that's not responsibility. To me, that's not even really accountability. I'll say this. Checking a box is not bad. Right. Yep. If you understand the meaning behind each check. If you're doing it just to check a box, then no. But if you're doing it because you're wanting to you know that what you're saying, you know, I was just reading um, uh, Hamish Brewer's book, Relentless. Mm-hmm. Um, you shout out, man. I, I, man, oh my God, man. I don't know if you've read it yet. I haven't. Man, it is a must. It will change how you view your role as an educator in the classroom. I can say that single-handedly. And I've been teaching for 14 years. And even though there are some things in there that are just ahas, like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. But the way he shows you the, the why behind it and the results that followed is, is, is amazing. But he talks about in there about communicating with students and how that is the most, that is the most important thing that you can do. And in a virtual space, it's different. You know what I mean? Because like in my classroom, I commute virtual. I communicate virtually and face to face. I have my kids email me. You know, I message them, and I also. I mean, I had a kid messaging me while we're sitting in the class together. Come on, bro. You know, and I, I pull that commercial. I'm like, are you? I say, I say, are you responding to my statement that I made in person through a DM? And everybody in the classroom just fell out laughing. Yeah, and, the, you know, uh, the car <laughs> the car commercial where they talk about the guy gets a text and he drives over to the other guy's house. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, but but that 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 face to face, I have the luxury of being able to walk around and talk to my kids. I get to see them in other teachers' classrooms. I get to, you know, see them in the hallway. So that communication line is always there. I'm always talking to them. Um, but virtually you don't have that. And especially when you have kids who, who show up, don't turn the camera on or who show up and you know, they're not engaged because they're not doing any work. They're just showing up just to check a box. And, And again, I showed up, but you didn't do anything. You know, you didn't participate. So Again, check box checking, and you know how I feel about box checking. I think it's a, 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 uh, it, it pains me. But at the same time, I think about the fact that as I've gotten older <laughs> and my memory does not work as, um, as great as it should, um, then for me, making a list and checking off what I've completed and what I still need to do, that's checking boxes. 
knowing that I have this to do, this to do, this to do, this to do, that's checking boxes. That's an expectation. And the check acknowledges a completion of the expectation. Now, well, would I make a list arbitrarily and just say, let me just put some things on the list to make yeah. it look good? No, yeah. I wouldn't. Everything would have a purpose. And it's just, if your administration is not communicating to you the why, then you have to find your own why within it. You know, why do I need, you know, it's funny because I've been going back to, you know, my refrigerator. I have the golden circle um, from Simon Sinek. I, I drew it on my refrigerator um, because every time I go there, I want to be able to find the why in everything I do. Well, and, and maybe it's the time of year but I feel like I've gotten bogged down with the stuff that I need to do that I forgot why I'm doing the stuff that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And, and it's really a point that I'm thinking about when I make lists. Cause you know how I am. Like I get spotty and I get flighty and I have a hard time and, and I get into this mode where I feel like as long as I'm doing something that's productive and I can find a lot of things that I can do that are, unproductive so for me even when i start to make lists just remembering why and you know we were talking about getting back to a vision board so at Mm -hmm. least you see every day like hey this is why i'm doing this this is where i want to go this is where i want to be even just talking with my you know i wrote on my notes here like having a conversation with my kids next week about are you just checking boxes are you, are you checking boxes just to say you check the boxes or are you moving forward? Are you actually making progress? Right. Yeah. You know, and, and it's so strange to me and we could go to town on this about how you're still to some degree in person, almost everywhere where I am, Minnesota, Wisconsin has gone virtual um, because somehow some, you know, Minnesota and Wisconsin have become hotbeds. You know, it, it's sad to see and it's difficult. But I mean, for me, as I'm looking at this, just from what I need, you know, what do you do? What do you do every day to, or what do you do every day to stay on purpose, to stay on track with that purpose? I mean, cause I think that's where I got to get back to. Cause even still, you know, I write all these things down that I want to do. I want, I want to write macro goals. I want to write micro goals. I want, and I, and I know the big things that we're trying to get done, but I, I even struggled to just stay within those purposes and really stay focused and, and ask myself, am I making progress or am I doing, doing things that are going to keep me in the same spot I am? To stay on purpose. And it's funny because, you know, uh, I just finished my chapter one from my dissertation, and it is the statement of purpose. Um, to stay on purpose, you must first have a have a goal. Um, and I think a lot of times where we get off is that we we say we want to do things on purpose, so we start immediately giving ourselves tasks to do to stay busy without really giving ourselves a goal of what we want to accomplish. Because without a goal, 
it doesn't matter what task I have. It doesn't matter the task because if I don't have a goal, then I'm just, you know, quote unquote, doing busy work. And, and that is the greatest enemy to purpose because you're not getting anywhere closer to where you want to go because you don't even know where you're going. You know, that's like, you know, I can remember my wife and I, you know, pre-COVID, when we would have those moments where we didn't, we didn't take food out and we were hungry and we want to eat something. And my wife's like, well, let's just get in the car and drive. Absolutely not. That is something I won't do. Just drive until I find something. No. Mm, mm. I'm thinking, I'm just picturing all of the things that are like the most proximal to your house. And I know exactly from your house where Whataburger is. I know where Krispy Kreme is. I know. Ooh. And see, and look, and look how flighty you're getting, because you you you're not even seeing it, but you know what's there. Oh, I know exactly what's there. And so, since you know what's there, in your mind's eye, think about being hungry and driving. Then you want everything. Versus saying no, let's narrow it down now. Let's get this out now and say, this is what we want. Let's go get this. You know, even to the point where we made a spinner. You know, you put such choices on there and just give it a spin. If it's fast food or if it's takeout, you know, it's like, but you have to be able to make that. You have to have a goal is what I'm saying. You have to have a desired end. And I think that that is where if you want to start being doing things on purpose, you have to start thinking end results. And once you think end results, now what do I have to do every day to reach that end result? Knowing that I'm not gonna reach that end result in a day, I'm not gonna reach it in two days. It should be so lofty, you know. Uh, I love what, um, what did uh, Hal call him? Um, BHAGs. You know, those big, hairy, audacious goals. Uh, when you have those type of goals, um, you know you're not going to accomplish the big goal all at once. But it's once you have the big one, then now let's scale it back. Let's reverse engineer this thing and say, what do I need to be doing every single day? You know, I couldn't say six months ago, oh, I'm going to do, I'm going to start doing 50 push-ups in the morning, 50 push-ups at night because that 50 push-ups in the morning would hurt and you know make me not want to do the 50 at night. Mm. So I had to break it up and say, okay, you know what? I'm just gonna do sets of 10 until I can't do anymore. Then when I get home, I'm gonna do sets of 10 until I can't do anymore. And before I go to bed, I'm gonna do sets of 10 until I get to 100. And so once I got that in my place, then it started getting to the point to where I'm pushing out 40 push-ups before I just stop and my body's like, okay, stop and hold up and rest because I've set a goal to what I want to be able to do and my body will respond if I give it to it in little bitty increments. Mm. You know, it's those little day-to-day -day things that, that make the difference in the big goal. And to stay on purpose, it's a matter of keeping those little bitty things in front of you, asking yourself why, or sometimes asking yourself why not. When you get in those, 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 those thinking you know thinking snaps is where you're like 
why do I need to call parents so much? Why do I need to connect with students so much? Then ask yourself, why not? Why is important, but why not is also important as well. Because once you find out why not, then it's like, I don't really have a reason not to call them. Or if I could say, well, it's not going to make a difference. You don't even know it. You know, that's like the person who gets the diet plan and says, oh, it doesn't matter what you give me. It's not going to work anyway. Then with, with your mind in that position, it's not going to work. You know, you know, the man who never saved a dime will say, oh, saving money is worthless. But for the man who saved a dime every single day, he can say, no, you know, it, it does pay off. Saving a dime a day. Well, if you if you do that for an entire year, you'll have money saved just you know, on a dime a day. Yeah, you know, and the thing that I've been, and this has been a struggle for a long time, but thinking as we're doing, you know, goal setting and purpose, taking the time to really think back to how far I've come. Like, I, I think sometimes... I get so fixated on where we're trying to go, where I'm trying to go as a person, where I'm trying to go that I don't take time to appreciate and really look back at what I've done and how far I've come. And also, you know, in the best times, what habits were I in or was I in? What was I doing at those times where things were really clicking? What was I doing at those times when I was really getting a lot done and being productive and you had the command center and you had your goals posted on on the command center board <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> I that, when I when I still lived in Texas um my house had this front dining room and it was just me and the colonel living there at the time um and I decided to take the dining room and turn it into an office. And I put like a four by eight whiteboard on the wall and I would just fill it up and I would write and I was in there every day. And, and I think that's a habit I need to get back into is really having things posted and really not just having them posted, but intentionally looking at them every day. I just wrote that down, set goals, revisit goals. You know, and, and it, it is a little different being a married man and having to make my different things fit into the overall decor scheme of our life, which is so Christmas-tastic right now. I can barely stand it. Um, Are you watching Hallmark? I bet, <laughs> I bet, I've, I bet I've watched... 15 Hallmark movies in the last three weeks. Um, there is also. I've kind of skated around them so far, so I'm, I'm pretty uh, excited. Netflix, Netflix, Operation Christmas Drop is wonderful. Operation Christmas Drop. Okay. Uh, um, maybe we'll make that one a family one. You should. You should. It's very good. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, just sitting here thinking, and even just in this conversation, like, I can promise you on Monday, I'm going to show my kids a chunk of this video that we just got done talking about. And in thinking about what I could do, like this is more and kind of coming back to purpose. This is more of myself that I could share with my kids that I don't. I could share 
your wisdom, our wisdom once a week with my kids. You know, and it's and funny it you say huge that. Difference. It's funny you say that because, you know, every Monday I call it my Mamba Mentality Mondays um, where I find motivational videos and I share it with the kids. Um, and I said to myself, why am I finding motivational videos? I could easily do an audio of myself and put it behind pictures and let the pictures roll and let me talk to my kids because I want the videos to be under. The challenge has always been finding videos that are under five minutes, you know, because a lot of those motivational videos are, you know, seven, eight, nine minutes long. And I want to make sure every class period gets it. And I have some classes that are 47 minutes, some that are 90 minutes. So if I make it too long, then I'm stealing too much math time from my 47. And, you know, if it's not long enough, then <clears throat> I mean, I'm not really worried about long enough because, I mean, I think you can you can have one conversation and in a minute exchange get so much wisdom um, in, in what you're doing. Um, but I think that uh, I'm going to start doing voiceovers on my own and playing around with doing that. Um, because again, it is important for us to not become so, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, complacent? I was going to say stagnant was the stagnant, word. Stagnant, yeah. That, Compla you know, complacent. that we kind of, we, we kind of get into to cruise control. And I don't, I don't use cruise control on my own vehicle. Really? I don't. Even when you're going, even if you got out into West Texas and. If I'm going long distances, it would be, to me, it makes me nervous because I feel like if I'm not regulating my speed, then I'm not being alert. Fair. It's just you know, one, more, one more thing for you to pay attention to and keep you focused on what you're doing. Right, because I'll easily fall asleep. We know that. Uh, <laughs> so I think it's important that, that, that we don't take our foot off the gas in a lot of situations. And a lot of times we, especially as educators, we, we, we would take our foot off the gas because we get in that, I've been here, done that. Well, and even just with that metaphor, you, when you're on cruise control, you're not regulating the pace of the class. It's being regulated, but some days you could go faster and some days you need to go slower. And I mean, how many times have we been driving on cruise control? Like you said, that you're not paying attention and you miss, you miss your exit. Right you miss and and i think that's really where i am in just getting back to in the digital space you know because i'm i i i don't see myself being back in a classroom before the start of next school year i, I just with the way minnesota is right now i i don't know and i think that's because i think my school would like to go back to a hybrid at some point at the in the spring if it were safe mm -hmm. but i don't know that we will get to a point where everybody could come back and i don't know maybe maybe one of the other social studies teachers is going to want to do virtual and then maybe i would go back and try it but 
you know, for me getting off that cruise control of just saying, okay, here I am. I do this, you know, I do this lesson. I do this through my day. Um, and I just feel, you know, the one thing that I think has been missing and I wrote it down, I just, I don't feel like I've been creative in a while. Like, I don't feel like I'm, I'm writing as much as I should. I don't feel like I'm taking my whiteboard and wiping it off and just, I, 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 I think they call it ideating and just writing things down and, and being creative and, and giving myself space for that. So for me, working with my kids, you know, and with the checklist, which is a question I wanted to ask you too on this is like, when you have a checklist, do you put a whole bunch of things on it or do you just put a few things on it that are really important? Cause for me, I'm trying to think, I'm asking myself the question of, and I've got it written here, what do I need to do to be at my best? What do I need to do every day to be at my best? Right now I have written, I need to be healthy. So I need to do something each day that helps me be healthy, whether that's fitness or yoga. I need to be creative. I need to build community and I need to have an impact. Do you think those things are too, too, what's the word? esoteric to be things that you could do every day no um you know me i'm i'm also guilty of not being creative right now um and i've noticed that not being creative causes my mind to kind of settle in dust forms almost like a fog in my brain um, the greatest week I've had of writing was last week. Why? Why was my week so great writing? What was going on? I was making music. We had our math night and I was ta I tasked myself with creating a Price is Right intro song. And so every single night I came home, I was working on that. So then when I woke up in the morning, it was almost as if my brain was like, there was like, like somebody had just gone in and just dusted everything off. And it was like, whoa. You know, so I started making sure that I try to touch music. You know, it was one point in my life where I didn't go to sleep without touching my keyboard. Where I would go in and just play something on the keyboard every single day. And when life gets you busy, you get away from those things. You know, um, my wife and I used to go paint. We love to paint. My daughter loves to paint. You know, listening to music is a is a form of creativity. Uh, if you block out time and not, you're not working out listening to music, but you just sit, grab your nice cup of coffee and let some good jazz play. You know, or let your favorite country. I was listening to Tim McGraw last night and man, I, the song Humble and Kind. Mm -hmm. Come on. Man. Okay, but anyway, I digress. But again, to answer your question, like to be healthy, you 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 can't you can't function if you're not healthy. You're no good to anyone. To be creative. Yes. What was the other one? To, to build community. To build community and to have an impact. We just talked about this kind of the building community piece. Um, 
contact your students. Make it a goal to say, I'm going to contact two students every day. Well, you know, and it's so funny to me how just shifting that, that little bit that it's making it a part of my personal goal and not just my personal goal, but what I need to be my best. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and for me, the other half of building community is getting more active on social media because I've been MIA almost oh, this entire school year. Oh, man. You and, and it's, I, I've gotten to the point where I'm not beating myself up over it because I realize that I've just had a lot going on and, but I mean, it's something that I want to get back to because we know that that's a huge part of us making an impact. Mm-hmm. The way you have a bigger impact is by building a bigger community around it. Mm-hmm. And, and those things make me feel good. And, and it's so strange to me that we, you know, like you were saying with music, how you playing your instruments unlocks the other things in your life that you need to do. And I, I'm back at that point where I think a lot of people get to is where you think you don't have time for that. You've got so many other things that you need to do that you can't do that, but you forget how important that piece is. You forget how crucial that piece is to everything else you're doing. And seeing, seeing yourself, as you always say, as a more holistic person rather than, okay, these are the things I'm doing for my teaching job and these are the things I'm doing in my personal life, just having it be, this is who I am. Just who I am, right. And, there, you know, I think eliminating the separations, you know, I sh- share pictures of the garden that I made with my students and actually used it in my, my, my work, you know, with the ratio, we talked about the ratio of the colored flowers, you know, the color of the flowers that's in the, in the garden. Um, when we were talking about scale factor, I brought in the, uh, the architectural drawings of our future home uh, and talked about how, you know, we can't live in a house that only has eight inch walls so they're going to have to scale that. So let's find what the scale factor is. And so like when, when we, when the conversation shifted so much to, well, Mr. Law, tell me about this. Well, Mr. Law, tell me about that. What can I do? And I started noticing, I don't need to shut this down because we're still in, in context to what we're talking about, but now they're asking me more personal questions because they desire to know me, you know, and even kids sharing, well, you know, my parents built their house and, you know, I was just a little girl, but I remember they did this, 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 I'm learning them. You know what I mean? So I think that um, eliminating so much separation, uh, and, you know, I hear people all the time, oh, you got to have separation between your work life and your home life. I agree 100%. But do I stop being a teacher because I come home? I don't. I don't. This is, you know, that's just like the police officer who lives in the in the neighborhood. He's not going to stop being a police officer just because he's at home. He's off the clock. But if he sees something that's not right, he's going to respond the same way his training has taught him to. And when he goes, and 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 you would hope that his home life is modeled in such a way that it creates an, an environment of family that he then transcends into what he experiences on the job. 
Same way with our fire, fire our firefighters. Same way with our with our uh, EMS workers. You know, same way with our doctors and our nurses. The same expectation that we give on them. We don't ever tell the nurse you're working too much. And I know a lot of nurses. Have a lot of nurse friends who work a lot more on the clock hours than a teacher ever does. You know, at some of the most inhospitable hours of the night, you know, you get that ER graveyard shift over the weekend. It's no telling what you're going to see coming in and out of your rooms. Um, so, you know, it's just, I think it's just eliminating separation and just being who you are all the time and inviting your students into that environment. You know, I, I live and stand by what Rita Pearson said, that kids don't learn from teachers they don't like. And again, it's not a, a like, con it's, not a, it's not a whole contest to say, I want to make you like me, but I have to be likable <laughs> in order for them to Well, and I think me. that's a really important distinction is you have to be like, you don't have to be well-liked, you just have to be likable. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and likable does not mean happy-go-lucky. I mean, we know more than anything that like a, the most likable thing a teacher can be is real. Because even if you don't like, even if you don't like who that person really is, you like the fact that you know who they are. Mm. Let me give you an example of something that, that blew my mind. I have a student who I didn't really think the kid liked me. True, true, true story. Like the kid, when he walks in my room, you know, he grunts. You know, I, I, I get the meh all the time, you know. But having a conversation with his mom Come to find out, I was his favorite teacher. She said he comes home talking about you and math, and he hates math. And so when I hear things like that, that tells me that even though exteriorly you may not want me to know, but inside there's something brewing and, and you're growing and you will grow students when when they make a connection with you even though sometimes in your eyes the connection may not seem right it may seem like oh yeah i'm not really doing it it's not connecting it's not working the fact is more is going in and i, t I tell my kids all the time pay attention when people talk because more is caught than taught See, pay attention when people talk. You know, my mom used to tell me all the time, they used to tell me when I first started talking, I didn't start talking until I was almost three years old. They thought something was wrong with me. Um, my mom was like, but once you started talking, ooh, you just didn't stop. And so her challenge to me all the time was stop talking and start listening. When that started taking place for me, I guess around 10th grade, when I really started listening to what other people had to say and what other people were, were saying around me. My talking so much came to 
questioning everything. So when people would say stuff, I would want to know why, how, when, who. You know, those type of questions, my talking so much became asking questions. And I guess that's kind of kind of kind of set myself up for the podcast life. <laughs> so, but but you know, it's like getting to that point to where you are so authentically you. So authentically you that students connect with who you are. Like you say, even if they don't like who you are. You know, the story, you know, I always tell about the student last year that um, who I had passed away uh, over the summer, his, his cousin was a sixth grader the year before. And the kid, I just knew the kid hated my guts. Because I was his punishment room. When the kid teachers couldn't deal with him, they would send him to my room. And, you know, I'm really kind of no nonsense when it comes to behavior and, and disrespect. You know, so I, I'm kind of in your face and charging you up. Like, you're, you're, that's not going to be allowed. You know, and so that was, that was the extent of our relationship. But to find out that he tells his cousin, oh, you have Mr. Law, you're going to love Mr. Law's class. I don't like you, but 100% of the time you can guarantee that I'm going to be who I am. And, you know, and I think that that is where, as you say, you know, thinking about, you know, we talked about our ABCs, you know, and I keep going back to that. I found the actual first draft that we did when we did the Inspire Alding and that authenticity is, is paramount. It is paramount. And then last night watching The Voice, she says connection and believability are key. They can't believe you if you're not presenting who you are. And that's how you make that connection when they know who you are. And so, you know, to, to kind of spiral back to what your initial question was, how do you stay on purpose? Set goals, revisit goals, be honest with yourself and make adjustments. You know, don't, we can't sit and make excuses about why we didn't accomplish a goal. We have to be honest with ourselves and say, why didn't I make this goal? What did I not do? Oh, I skipped three days in a row and then that got me thrown off and those three days became three weeks. Because in the fitness world, three days can become three weeks real quick. Yeah. You know, it's, it's reminding me that I should go back on our YouTube and watch halftime adjustments. <sighs> That is a good one. I'm but even just thinking, but even just thinking, like, you know, an example of this, like the Packers came out on Sunday and just were smashing the Colts, like twenty-eight to fourteen at halftime. The Packers only scored three more points the rest of the game because the the Colts made the better halftime adjustments. Mm -hmm. You know, and and for me, just I and I think it's one of the things we know that we need to do you and I need to stay more connected than we have been. And, and I don't think it's really out of either fault of our own. We've just got about 17 plates spinning between the two of us, but we need to stay more connected. Cause I feel like it's really good to get grounded in, in where we're trying to go by reconnecting with the person that you're going there with. Hey everybody. Thanks for checking out the podcast again. 
it's the last day of November of 2020 and we hope that you know us telling our story helps you tell yours helps you feel like you're not alone we hope it hit a nerve somewhere and made a difference so um, if it did please share it um, please subscribe please send it to teachers in your life and thanks again for being here being a part of this and especially for just being a part of this profession especially in the craziest year ever but let's look up 2021's coming